This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 366, recorded on the Ides of March, please beware, 2018. Ooh, that's a different intro. That's great. Uh, it's also St. Patty's Day this Saturday, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that until just now. So That's I'm a- true. I didn't know about that at all. I forgot all about that. It's my Uncle Brian's birthday. Well, Happy you- birthday, Uncle Brian. Happy birthday. His middle name is Patrick. Because he was born on St. Patrick's Day. I think that's uh, obvious. I mean, why why else wouldn't, why would you not name him Patrick if he's born on that day? Exactly. Exactly. St. Patrick's Day. Okay. Well, um, that is good. I'm looking forward to that. I'll have to go grab a couple of Guinness or something and celebrate. But before then, we have a podcast to get through. It's number 366, and we are here to do our feedback for the latest episode of The Walking Dead. We've got lots of feedback to do. And... Uh, also, something else to do just before that. I want to talk about the rules of the Walking Dead universe for a few minutes because I do feel like they are playing fast and loose with them recently right. on the show. Not all the rules, just some of the rules, right? Like you don't want to talk about gravity and whether gravity is still the same as it is in our world compared to their world. No. And, uh, you know, the constant, the spring constant. Uh, it's a K constant of uh, spring springiness and the value of pi and things like that. We don't need to. Uh, yeah, we don't well, need to. Discuss I assume those. that in the Walking Dead universe, pi is three, a nice round number, because it, that's just easier. <laughs> yeah, it's just a different universe, different universal constant. Pi is three. Right. Okay. Well, yesterday was Pi Day too, so we're. Oh, here is three point one four. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but so we we are on point here about our Pi Day and our our St. <laughs> Patty's Day. <laughs> And the Ides of March. And the Ides of March, exactly. We're just... it's, the, it's a Roman holiday. It's a deadline for settling all debts. So I hope uh, I hope all your debts are settled today. Well, I missed it again, I guess. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm not there. But it was also the, the date of uh, Julius Caesar's assassination. Uh, really? I don't think it's the actual date. I think it's just, you know, the date they, they picked. Okay. Sim- similar to Christmas. Sorry, spoiler alert. A lot of- Jesus probably wasn't, uh, well... Wasn't born on Christmas. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, a lot of stuff happens around this time of year, it sounds like, though. Yeah. And the first day of spring is next week, so boy, it's an exciting time. Holy moly. I know. If it would only stop snowing here, that would be nice. Okay, so the rules of the universe, not the universal constants, but some rules of the specific to the Walking Dead universe. We'll get into that in a second. Um, yes, but that's exactly what we're going to talk about before we get into our feedback for the episode. Um, first of all, though, season eight, episode 11 had 6.6 million viewers down again a little bit. So it's, it's going down. Uh, and as I've said before, I know these numbers aren't the most meaningful, but compared to the, compared to each other, you can see the trend. And that's really, I think what matters. Yeah, but I don't think it matters. Maybe we should stop reporting on the numbers. Well, why don't you guys let us know? Do you care about the like same same day plus one or the live plus one ratings numbers for the each episode of the show. I've been looking at them sort of since the beginning, so it just feels like the thing to do. But if it's not interesting or if nobody cares, then uh, then we don't have to. Or maybe we can sort of do it all at once at the end of the season or something like that and kind yeah. of recap the trend over the course of a year maybe. It's like, uh, it's like monitoring the trends of beeper sales. Uh, you know, just 
because beeper sales is uh, are declining significantly in the last couple of months, specific especially. Really, just yeah. because the 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 number of beepers actually being sold in the last ten years doesn't mean there's a decline in communication. No, right? you're absolutely right. It's just changed. Yes, it is changed. So even comparing you know beepers to beepers, is it really necessary? I don't know. <laughs> no, you could be you could be uh, hitting on a good point there. So yeah. Anyways, 6.6 million down from 6.8. If anybody has a beeper, write in and tell us why. (laughs) (laughs) If you wouldn't mind, that'd be great. We're we're very curious. Okay, Jason, the rules of the universe. So this came up because we had, uh, I had a listener write in on Facebook to say how he can no longer listen to us due to our clear misunderstanding of how things work in the Walking Dead universe. So this isn't for for them, I guess. Well, they're not listening anymore. So no, not I guess not. But we also had another listener, Tommy, send me a message on Facebook with a link to an article on Bloody Disgusting, titled "We Need to Talk About the Pathology of the Zombie Virus on The Walking Dead," because there is some confusion out there, or even even more than confusion, maybe some lack of understanding. Um, on how things work, how they used to work, how they work now, and why it seems to have changed, or has it changed? Maybe it's always been a little bit wishy-washy and unclear. So now I'm gonna, I'm just gonna. I was tempted to just kind of read the article because it does a good uh, job of summarizing everything, but I can't do that. No one wants to read the article, and I don't think that would be the right thing to do either. Well, you, you could just. Uh... Tell the link to the listeners, and then we could sit here and quietly read the article to ourselves, and wait as well the listeners yeah. do so in their in their own time. And we just, you know, after I don't know what five minutes of dead air, I don't know how fast you read, uh, or how long the article is either, then we can move on. Okay. Or you can just summarize. You know, it's entirely up to you. Chris. Sure, I, I'm going to sort of summarize here, but it's on bloodydisgusting.com. I will have a link to it in the show notes, of course. So uh, if you are listening to this and you want to read along or check it out, pause us and go read it. That would be good. But I'm going to summarize sort of in a way of kind of what we thought we knew and what's happening now and any other information. So stop me at any time, Jason, throw in comments, tell me where I'm wrong, tell me where I'm right, or just add extra detail because I think there is a lot to know here. Okay. Can I jump on uh, any other topic and just move on to something else if I feel necessary? <laughs> well, only if this goes on for more than like 30 minutes. <laughs> All right. All right then. Okay. So what we thought we knew or what we know about the zombie virus in the universe of The Walking Dead. Number okay. one, everybody is infected. True. Number two, when you die, you return as a zombie unless the, your brain is destroyed. Uh, regardless of how you die, you can die from a zombie bite or you can die from a massive heart attack. You come back as a zombie because everyone is infected. Or you can take a bunch of pills and put a bag over your head and chain your arm to a bedpost. Well, exactly. That's my point. No matter how you die, you come back. We know that. Okay. Okay. So I take a little bit of an exception to, unless the brain is destroyed, uh, from what we've seen, the brain doesn't have to be completely destroyed. It just has to be touched with a foreign object. It has to be poked. You're right. Yeah. You poke it or slice off a part of somebody's head or uh, put a nice pick in there somewhere. Sure. Uh, it just has to be you basically, from what I can see, uh, you just have to touch it with something. So destroyed was a, was a, a sort of a strong choice of words, but yeah. you come back unless there is some sort of brain injury. 
Yeah, you have to destroy. You have to, I was just about to say you have to destroy the brain, which See? completely counters everything that I just <laughs> said. You have to render the brain inoperable. You have to poke it. You have to. Yeah, you got to poke it. You have to injure it somehow. Anyways. Yeah. Um, and once you do come back, that's how you kill a zombie for good. You injure the brain. Right. Next thing we think we know: smearing guts all over yourself is generally safe, because we've seen characters do it plenty of times. Not only on this show. Uh, but on fear, and on fear even more so because people put it all over their face. I'm talking about Nick, of course. I think that's probably a logical fallacy. Uh, what we've seen so far is a limited number of people doing it a limited number of times, and they've been successful so far. That's like uh, uh, taking a... Oh, I think we might have internet issues. It, it's like taking a shot... <laughs> it's like an optimist jumping off a building and in the first second saying, well... So far, so good. But, well, okay, but we've seen multiple characters do it. We've yeah. seen most of the time, well, all but one, I think, it's worked out for them in that they haven't gotten sick. They haven't died from it. They've been able to wash it off later and be on their merry way. So yeah, I, that's why I said smearing guts all over yourself is generally safe. It okay, seems like generally safe. I can, I can do that, but there's also, uh, you know, every crow that I've ever seen is black. And that does not necess necessarily mean that all crows are black. Fair. It only means the ones I've seen are black. Fair enough. That's, that's yeah. a, that's a good point. And if I look at a house on a hill and the house is yellow, I can't say the house is yellow. What I can say is it's yellow on this side. Understood. Understood. Okay. Smearing guts so all over yourself is generally safe from what we know. <sighs> I have a hard time accepting that, but okay. I'm moving on. For the sake of argument, let's move on. Okay. We also know that getting a bite from a zombie is pretty much a guaranteed death, or in fact, is a guaranteed death. You get bit by one, you die. Yes. Okay. And my understanding of how that works is that the wound gets infected and you die from the... In infection from the bite location. Yes. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense, but yes. Okay, good. I'm glad we can agree on that. <laughs> so I feel like that's sort of what we know to be true for the most part. Now we're in a situation after this episode where Father Gabe got a bad infection seemingly from getting Walker guts all over him. Him and Negan put the walker guts all over themselves so they could move through them to get out of that trailer. And Negan ended up just fine. But Father Gabe got sick and had some sort of bad infection, not from a bite, but from smearing the guts all over himself. And um, the presumption is that some of that got into some kind of open wound he had and made him sick. Right. Uh, now... In the last episode, we also discovered that this infection that he has seems to be treatable with antibiotics, and apparently he was getting better. So I think the implication is that he's going to live from this. Uh, yep. Which, in a way, not completely, but to me in a way contradicts what we've kind of known from before. Once you get infected or get an infection, I don't mean get the zombie virus, I mean get an infection, it accelerates, it gets really bad, and you pass away from it. Um, but all I can think of with the Father Gabe situation is that maybe his infection is different somehow. It's 
affecting a different part of his body, a different organ in his body, and maybe it's not as bad. So it's some sort of infection that is treatable. A real world example would be an ear infection is different from like an ingrown toenail infection. They're both treatable, but they're treatable in different ways with different antibiotics. Maybe we think of it in terms of a gastrointestinal thing instead of a uh, a blood thing. So we know that if you get bitten, that the uh, your it gets into your bloodstream. So if you were to smear uh, the zombie guts on top of you and you had a big cut that was you know seeping at the time, and you got the zombie guts in there, maybe you'd get the infection and die, similar to a bite. Maybe Father Gabe just swallowed some which our, you know, our stomach acid and our saliva can deal with some of that. So maybe it's not as bad if it gets into our digestive tract than if it were to get directly into our bloodstream. Okay, so same source, but he ate it instead of, like, injecting it into his bloodstream. Yeah. Sometimes we swallow poop, and sometimes that poop makes us sick. Right. Most of the uh, time. Well, not most of the but like a lot of the time we'll just feel like, oh, gross, I just ate poop. But sometimes you get like a gastrointestinal thing and you throw up for a while, you have diarrhea for a while, but you're okay. You're right. Whereas if you took a pile of poop and you smeared it into an open cut, you'd probably get pretty sick. Sick. Sepsis, right. for example, you'd right. probably, it, it's really bad. But if you swallow it, it's just like your body's like, fuck that. And I'm throwing this shit up. Right. So uh, like literally and figuratively, sorry about that. But. Yeah, so maybe Father Gabe swallowed some zombie guts instead of got it directly into his bloodstream. Okay, I like that. That's a good explanation for it. That that explains how getting bit uh, is a different kind of infection than just eating the stuff. <laughs> right. Um, and explains why he's treatable, whereas somebody like Carl, who did get bit, yeah. um, that was considered a guaranteed death. And there was not even an attempt on the show to treat him for it. They saw that bite on his abdomen and... Carl was going to die. Period. That's because that's the that's the rule, right? Oh, he's got a he's some a zombie bit him on his abdomen. He's going to die. So they didn't why bother treating him? It's like fuck, he's dead. Might right. as well shoot him right now. Right, right, right. Because we know that you can amputate a limb if you do it fast enough. It prevents that infection from traveling through your bloodstream, or it prevents the the whatever you get from the guts uh, yeah. from the guts on you traveling through the bloodstream into the rest of your body. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. That makes some sense to me. Maybe um, Father Gabe was worried about uh, his breath when he was going through all the zombies and he smeared some of the zombie guts on the inside of his mouth. Right. That would be a bad idea, but it made him sick and that's He's it. He's not the smartest guy, but that's okay. No, fair enough. But anyways, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. So my next question was, if Father Gabe is treatable, why isn't Carl treatable? But that explains that. Uh, now, the other thing is we end up at the end of this episode with Negan talking about... Um, his plan to smear all the weapons with zombie gore and yep. attack everyone with them. If your sword or your machete is covered in gore, when you slice somebody with it, you're going to get that into your into your enemy's bloodstream, which yep. is bad, and would have the same effect as if that person had gotten bit, I would assume. Right. It worked for Hamlet. It'll work for, uh, for Negan. Right. Um, the only problem with that is that we've seen this kind of thing happened on the show before, and it has had no effect. How, when we would remind me? Well, um, from the article uh, on Bloody Disgusting, there they refer to a scene in episode 603, which was called Thank You. Rick is running up the street, and he comes across some zombies eating somebody 
uh, in the middle of the road. He fights them off. And one of the zombies has a blade embedded in them sticking out. And he goes to push the zombie away and the blade slices his hand. So that that blade is is sticking out of a zombie, clearly has zombie fluids on it, and he cuts his own hand with it. No effect. That Um, is a continuity failure. Okay. And then the other one that occurred to me, which isn't quite as obvious, but when he was in the junkyard and he had to fight Winslow, that armored spiky zombie, he put his hand up against that thing and the the spike on the zombie went right through his hand. Now, I realize that was more of a helmet, so it wasn't necessarily covered in zombie guts, but you got to think. It's pretty close to a zombie. It's a zombie apocalypse. That thing probably has some molecules of zombie goop on it. Not to mention... Everything probably does at this point. So anytime well, that's you what get... I, that's what I was about to say. You walk into somebody's house who is potty training someone, uh, potty training a young person. <laughs> right. There's poo on everything. Like, or at least pee well, on everywhere. <laughs> like, the whole house is covered in some kind of fluid. Yeah. Right? Right. I assume so. So you have to just be okay with the fact that you're going to get some of that on you and in yeah. you. Yeah. Wash your hands. Don't touch your eyes. Exactly. Um, so... <laughs> You know, our, our our theory was good until this point. And are we overanalyzing? Yes, probably a little bit. Are we failing to suspend our disbelief a little bit? Yes, also probably a little bit. But the reason it's come up is because the show is suddenly making a big deal out of it with this plan from Negan. And maybe it won't work. Maybe it won't work. Or Does maybe, it work in a comic? Um, well... Spoiler alert for the comic. I'm not going to talk about what happens in the comic, but this storyline <sighs> is in the comic. I'll tell you later. Okay, you, you tell want. me off the air. Sure. All right. Um, but but I feel like they're they're kind of changing things a little bit. Negan's exact words in the scene are, "You all know how it works. You get a bite, some kind of wound from one of these things, something from them gets in you, and you die." That's pretty clear, and that seems to be his understanding. Yeah. Okay. We have to accept the. We have to assume that what he's saying is actual reality and not just his belief, which is off from reality. Right. But uh, that being said, if this works and it didn't happen to Rick when he put his hand through that uh, that knife that you talked about in season six, yep. then it is a continuity failure. Or are they retconning the show? Like, are they just retroactively changing things and making this how it works now? They could, but that's also a continuity failure. Yeah, true. Right? But- yep. Sometimes you have to forgive continuity failures. Like, uh, we know the first time we saw the shadowy figure of Michonne, it was not Denai Guerrero. That is a continuity. No, it's not. That's just, it's not. Okay, you have to take creative license, so you have to, there's there's reasons for that. But that Michonne was not uh, Denai Guerrero. That continuity-wise, we know that it was a representation of Michonne and uh, Denai Guerrero is an actress who is representing Michonne, all that kind of stuff. Uh Uh-uh, I don't agree with that. You can't say that something in the real world, because having a different actor play the person where you don't see their face is a real-world thing, not an in-show thing. As far as we're concerned, that is the same human Uh, being in the show. All right, so I take your point. I was going to draw in some other examples, but you're absolutely right. Thanks. That if they replace an actor and the other characters don't notice and they just accept that character as the original character, then that is the original. That, that is a character and continuity is maintained. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. I, I so don't, I don't, you've, you've changed my mind. I've always thought that was an issue, but you make a compelling argument and you've successfully changed my mind about all of that. <laughs> That's amazing. It was like one sentence. <laughs> yeah. No. All right. Well, I mean, there have been probably other continuity problems. Um, and, and again, you do have to let these go a little bit, but I'm just not sure why the show has decided to go this route now. And they forgot that was a, like two showrunners ago and like well, all the writing staff has been rolled over since then. Well, not in they, season six. That was the same, same showrunner, but. Uh, well, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm giving them benefit of the doubt. Sure. Maybe they forgot. I don't know. No, I mean, things change. In season one, there was a zombie holding a brick trying to break the glass of the department store Rick was hiding in. You know, that hasn't... That, that's fine. I don't think that's happened since then, though. When they were, when him and Glenn were running away from them, those zombies seemed a lot faster than they are now. But those things are explainable, too, I think, right? Those were less decayed zombies. Now we're yeah. four years later, so everyone is... Uh, more decayed but then you'd think a fresh zombie would be faster so anyways maybe residual memories are time dependent mm -hmm. right you only re retain your residual memories for the first 48 hours that you're a zombie Something. after that you forget that you were a bricklayer and can use bricks as tools to uh break windows or uh what a rioter maybe they were <laughs> part of a know. riot before and they were throwing bricks and maybe there was other zombies that knew exactly how to flip over a car because that's what they did in the, uh in their rioting days yeah i don't know anyways um it's just interesting that the show seems to be changing this this rule uh and we'll have to find out where it goes but i just wanted to throw all that out there because it, it actually kind of helped me get it all straight right figure out right. what we know and what we thought we know and where we are now so if there's so anything, the listener that stopped listening to us, why did uh, why did they stop listening to us? Because we refused to accept or acknowledge the continuity changes or the uh, the changes in rules. No, because I think on Monday night's show we kind of glossed over it and didn't really break it down. And and he said we seemingly completely misunderstood some of these rules and how could we be doing a podcast for nine years and not understand it by now? So, okay. So he flipped the table over and, you know, rage quit the show. Yeah, that's right. He questioned our credibility. Hey, which I'm fine with. I mean, sometimes yeah. I have no idea what's going on, but, uh, we try, we try our All best. Right. So it was, it, it was an, a man or a woman, you know, it, it was a man. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's fine. Okay. I don't know who the listener was. And so basically what I'm saying is if you know him and he's actually stopped listening, Tell him that we've at least acknowledged the issue. We may not have corrected it in the future. But we acknowledge but at it. At this point, at this time, we've acknowledged the issue. Right. So who knows? Uh, maybe maybe he didn't actually stop listening. Maybe he'll come back. But, but that's why we have listeners. Because you and I are morons. And without the listeners, we wouldn't know half the shit about the show that we know. It is. It is very important to have the listeners. So... Um, let's, speaking of listeners, let's move on into our actual listener feedback and probably get enlightened on a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Yeah. Listener feedback. We're going to start with a call from Michael. Hey, Jason and Chris, this is Michael from Alabama. I actually wanted to call in with this last week, but I forgot. And it's kind of a good thing because it's uh, even more noticeable to me this week. And what I wanted to point out was, did y'all notice that it's made a point of showing people wearing watches more recently? And it, this may be one of those things like when you buy a new car and you notice more of them um, out on the road. But to me, it's made a point of showing people wearing watches. And it started last week with Rick wearing a watch and it showed him multiple times wearing a watch. And it also showed the guy that was with Enid at the ocean side. I can't remember his name, but it showed him wearing a watch and it, the camera zoomed in and actually focused on that watch several times. 
And then this week it, it uh, showed the doctor wearing a watch and it also showed Dwight wearing a watch. So I don't know if this means anything or what they're doing with it, but to me it's more prevalent than it ever has been before. And I don't know if I haven't noticed it before because I haven't, because I haven't looked for it, but maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Just wanted to see what y'all thought about it and if you even noticed it. Keep up the good work, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Michael, for sending that in. So, Jason, any thoughts on characters wearing watches? I haven't really noticed an excess of watches. However, I do know that Rick tends to wear one, and it sounds like lots of characters are wearing watches now, and they might even be focusing on it. So is there some kind of time theme going on here? That very well could be, and which is kind of odd because uh, he mentioned that when you buy a new car, you see that car everywhere, which is true because we bought a car recently, and damn it, they're everywhere, and I didn't even know they existed before I bought one. Right. But- uh, I recently restarted wearing, or yeah, restarted wearing my watch after a number of years that uh, the clasp has been broken, uh, so I didn't wear it for a long time. And I recently just started re-wearing uh, it more and more often, but I haven't noticed it on uh, on anywhere. Other people wearing watches. Why would I wear? I can't. I'm having a hard time wearing uh, a device that's only a single function. It's, <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? Right. <laughs> it but- only tells time. That's it. That's why I got one of those Garmin things. It tells time. It keeps track yeah, of my you activity. Can get your phone calls. You can get to, even in the movie theaters when you don't want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all kinds of functions that it has where my watch just, you know, tells time. Yeah. Anyway, no, I didn't notice anything about the watch. Maybe if they're focusing on the watches, uh, we're going to get some time travel. Uh, <laughs> I don't that know about that, cool. but uh, who knows? Maybe it's a uh, it's a product placement sponsorship. Let's hope it's not just that. Yeah. What kind of watches? Maybe they're all if, the same. If, if they're all the same, then it's product placement. Yeah. I don't know. But interesting observation sad. nonetheless. That would be sad. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Michael, for that. Uh, Bill in New Jersey. Wait, uh, you want me to read some or what you, what's going on here? Sorry. Sorry. I forgot. We don't usually start with a call. So you, you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you can read them all if you want. No, no. It's better when we alternate. All right. So next we have an email from Bill in New Jersey. Uh, Bill writes, uh, this wasn't my favorite episode of all time, but the writers definitely tricked me. In the beginning of the episode, we saw Daryl, Rosita, Tara, Dwight, Lord Tobin, and a multitude of Alexandrian red shirts preparing to traverse the dangerous swamp. Uh, The overwhelming number of red shirts made me think that they would all die with only our named survivors escaping. Yet they all, well, except Dwight, made it to the hilltop. Meanwhile, Father Gabriel and Dr. Carson seemed to be doomed, but at each turn of events, it seemed that God was leading the way. Until, of course, Carson was killed and Gabriel was thrown into his existential crisis and forced to work for Eugene. So, while I really, uh, I didn't really like the episode that much, the writers definitely threw in some twists, and I appreciate that. Well, there you go. I mean, I, I do like to try to find the good, even in the episodes that I don't like as much, and it sounds like Bill is doing that as well. So, good good for Bill. Yeah. There was, yeah, there was uh, a bunch of twists. I thought there was a lot of people just kind of sitting around while they were going into the dangerous, dangerous swamp. It it was a little strange. I mean, I guess I guess you just have your most capable characters go and and figure out the swamp. But you'd think Tobin could have done it. But then he had the he had Judith strapped yeah. to his back, and you don't want to take a baby into a mystery swamp. Given the option, I would have sat on my ass and let somebody else do the swamp thing. Well, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> if if it's not an absolute uh, order for me to go in there, I'm not going in there. Yeah, my my personal attitude is uh, I tend to do what needs to be done, and that's a double-edged sword, because unless it needs to be done, I'm not doing it. Right. Fair enough. Well, you might have just stayed on the one shore of that swamp yeah. and not made it to the other side. If it should be done, maybe, maybe not. If it can be done, I'm not doing it for sure. <laughs> but if it absolutely needs to be done, and I'm the only one who can do it, I'll do it. 
All right. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pull out all the stops and actually get the damn thing done. But, you know, unless it absolutely needs to get done, I ain't doing it. Going into that swamp does not qualify. Yeah, no, let the heroes be the heroes. I'm not a hero. I'm just this guy. <laughs> just some guy, you know. Yeah. All right. Uh, Michael in London writes, I absolutely love this week's show. Although not necessarily action-packed, it certainly wasn't slow. I love Gabriel's faith and how no matter how bad it's getting, he will not betray what he believes in. The murder of Dr. Carson in front of him may not be what he expected to happen, and going back to the Saviors also wasn't his plan, but he believes in the path he is on. From the sniveling wreck who betrayed his congregation and our group early on, he has become such a vital member to the group. Also, the fact that there is now a medical person at the hilltop also shows his faith was rewarded. Uh, yeah, except that the, the actual doctor died. Well, he was trying to get the doctor there, and he was following the sort of divine intervention bits that kept coming up, um, and trying to get the doctor there to help Maggie. Doctor's so now Michael's dead. saying the Lord works in mysterious ways, and, you know, Father Gabriel was trying to get a doctor to the hilltop, and in the end, that happened. It did. He just doesn't know it yet. Right. Or right. have anything to do with it. <laughs> Correct. But as you said, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So He sure does. That's that. So there you go. All right. Next we have an email from Spender on the internet. That's unfortunate. Uh, watching Doctor versus the Father tonight made me think, perhaps Father Gabriel be uh, the uh, will be one of the last men standing and be proven right. This is the actual apocalypse from his God, and the final episode will be the end of days, but who will ascend? Either that, or he is about to sacrifice himself and blow up the munitions factory. <laughs> Why is Spender on the internet unfortunate? Because the internet, you just, it's easy to spend money on the internet. <laughs> oh, okay. So if you're the spender on the internet, that's unfortunate because you're going to lose a lot of money because there's lots of stuff out there to buy. I just found a site where you can buy patterns to cut out foam and make <laughs> Like foam armor. Like I'm not going to do, sure the pattern's only five bucks for the helmet and five bucks for the chest plate and five bucks for the horns on the helmet, but damn it, that's like 25, 30 bucks I'm going to spend on friggin' patterns. And you haven't even bought the foam yet. Foam armor. Well, you can just buy the foam. The foam is the cheap part, right? And then you get some contact cement and you cut it out and glue it all together and then paint it up. God damn it, I'm making some foam armor. But, you know, that's, that's 25, 30 bucks that I know I wouldn't have spent until I watched a goddamn YouTube video. It's like, Hey, I'm making this full helmet. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's a, it's sort of a, uh, interesting concept. Maybe this is the actual apocalypse. It's happening very slowly. And, yep. uh, father Gabe will be the one who ends up in heaven while everyone else goes to hell. Well, here's a brain baker. What if the zombies are the ones that are ascending? Uh, that's pretty crazy. And the ones that are being killed outright aren't going to heaven? Interesting. I don't know, man. I don't maybe, know. Maybe this is heaven <laughs> and the zombies are risen. Uh, could be. Could be. <laughs> I think it's, uh, you know, a bit of an out there theory, but you never know. All right. Uh, Mark in... Yorkshire, England writes, Dr. Carson and Father Gabriel found a shitload of antibiotics and then some car keys with a map leading to the car. Precisely what they were looking for in the first building they literally and figuratively blindly stumbled upon. I've attached an audio file of my reaction. Oh! 
<laughs> that was Simon. It was. It uh, wasn't Mark. That was Stephen Ogg. But we, we now have that that we can use at any time. So yeah. when uh, somebody says something stupid, I can do this. Which I'm yeah. sure every other Walking Dead podcast has also done as well. So I'm not claiming that's uh, anything unique. I'm going to take get an Arduino and I'm going to program that to a big red button and I'm going to put it on my desk and with some speakers just to, you know, nothing uh, internet related, just to uh, have that ready for, uh, you know, commentary. When you're on business calls for work and someone says something stupid? Yeah, I can hit the mute button. And then, uh, sorry, I hit the mute button there as an example, uh-huh. uh, and then my next sentence got cut off. I would hit the mute button that I have, uh, and then uh, hit the bullshit button so they wouldn't actually hear it, but then I would and feel better. Good. Well, as long as you feel better. Yeah. Well, anyways, we have a bullshit button now, so thank you, Mark, for that. That's all. Okay, so let's talk about what he actually talked about. Um, so he said that uh, they <laughs> they go into a building, and they push a piggy bank, and they get car keys and a map to the car, and... It was just, a, I think it was actually a map to the uh, hilltop, which is even less likely. That, that's not right. Yeah. It can't be a map. It's got to be a map of the area, maybe. No, but the, okay, maybe of the area. But when Carson picks it up, he says, and here's the whatever building, which is the big building at the hilltop. So it, it, was, it was basically a map to exactly where they were trying to get to. Right. Which, I mean, <laughs> that's sort of what a map is, to be fair. So, you know, it's a map is a map, but. It was in the piggy bank. Why was it in the piggy bank? I don't know. How did you even get the car keys in the piggy bank? I'm not sure. Oh, that's a good question. Let's just move on from that. But yeah. Some piggy banks have a larger access hole at the bottom to get the stuff out, but that I don't know if That defeats the did. purpose of a piggy bank. The whole point of a piggy bank is that you're saving money and you have to break the damn thing in order to get the money out. I know. It's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be pretty serious. It's got to be a pretty serious event to try and get that money out. Or you're just going to pull the plug in the bottom and shake the money out and get it. And then what's the point of the piggy bank? Well, it's I know. It's just a temporary storage of uh, coins uh, while they're falling from your hand to the table. Yeah. Well, um, I, I agree with that, but uh, that brings up the question though. How did those keys get in the piggy bank slot? I don't know. Yeah. It's like uh, there was actually a proposal for uh, the nuclear launch codes for the U.S. president that the actual launch codes would be embedded inside an aid that followed him around. In order to launch all the nukes, the president would have to personally, physically kill somebody to get the codes out so that he could launch the nuke. There's no way that's true. No, that was just a proposal. It's not a thing. Now it's it's just a it's the football. They carry the briefcase around and they go blah 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 blah, and all the nukes go flying. Right. Uh, so, but that was a proposal in to order to make it an extremely serious event for him to actually launch the nukes. He'd have to personally kill somebody. You got to murder this guy. Yeah. So you can murder multitudes of others. Well, I, murder the multitude of others is questionable. I don't know if the, necessarily the word applies. It all depends on the situation. Uh, but you'd have to murder that guy for sure. Okay. Like stab him in the belly and rip open his belly and reach in there and get the launch codes and go, all right, the launch code is three. That seems a little light. <laughs> three, really? <laughs> yeah. Just one digit? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. The launch code, three. Three. Okay. Yeah. How do you get the car keys in there? And uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, the Lord shall uh, light the way. To, we'll give... Uh, 
sight to the blind in order to find car keys. Sure. Well, this is one of these moments of divine intervention that kept happening on their little journey. And uh, it doesn't matter how the car keys got in there. It matters that they were in there and that they found them when he wildly, blindly flailed his arms around and broke the piggy bank. It reminds me of a Chris Rock joke. Can I can I take an aside here for a second to just talk about a Chris Rock joke? How dare you take an aside? <laughs> so Chris Rock said, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I think it was Chris Rock. He said, when I was a kid, uh, I prayed and prayed and prayed for a bike. And every day I prayed for this bike and I never got a bike. And then I went to church and I prayed and I talked to the priest and I prayed and I never got a bike until I realized that that's how, not how God works. So I stole a bike and asked for forgiveness. <laughs> Great. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give you just things. Just a joke. Uh, it's a joke, yeah. Yeah. So, but, you know, God shall provide car keys when necessary. I guess so. Yep. All right. Next, we have an email from Mark in Connecticut. I was not impressed with this week's episode. I feel like it's entering the weird lost, the show, territory. For me, they're focusing on a lot of characters and I don't uh, that I don't care about to fill time. Remember in Lost when random new people would show up on the island at the beginning of season two, season three, then everyone would act as if they were there the whole time? I feel like this is a bit of that going on now with The Walking Dead. With so many main characters gone, i.e. Glenn, Abraham, Carl, and Maggie and Morgan probably leaving this season, they should probably wrap it up while the show is still strong. Where's Jesus? Three episodes and no sign of him. You know, that is an interesting question. Like, why hasn't Jesus been on the show in these three episodes at all? Not even a scene, not even in the background. And and I know there was a mention of him being out somewhere uh, doing something, reconnaissance or scavenging, I think. I think it was scavenging. It's just strange. It is strange. He see, I always considered him a fairly major character, but suddenly he's just gone. I wonder what's going on with that. Mm, secrets. I don't know. I don't know. Secret Ninja Jesus stuff that's going on that is going to turn out to be awesome. Well, let's hope. You may be absolutely right about that, but strange that he's not there at all. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. It's I, I don't feel like new characters are just showing up out of nowhere, but some are disappearing, which is yeah. weird. Mark, you're referring to Nikki and Paolo? I guess so, yeah. Lost, yeah, because... Yeah, I, well, I rewatched Lost recently and I didn't mind them so much because I knew they were coming, right? Yeah. When I first watched Lost, they come out of nowhere and I'm like, what the heck? Why are they here? Yep. And they knew about all this stuff that took years for us to find out and they knew the whole time. Mm-hmm. But they were there the and whole then, time. And then Miles later on, uh, who could tell, uh, could talk to recently dead people. That was- Remember Miles? No. Near, in, near the end? God, I don't remember that at all. I must have blocked it out. Yeah. Um <clears throat> he uh, he showed up and he, he pointed and he said, uh, why do you need money? There's $8 million in diamonds buried right there where Nikki and Paolo were, were buried because they were buried with the diamonds. Okay. Yeah. All right. But you got to rewatch the show. <laughs> it's been a while. I don't, I don't, I tend not to watch rewatch shows. Oh, I've seen it like four times now. I don't have time for that. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Justine in NorCal writes, I really enjoyed this episode. I much prefer it when the characters are on the road, having car trouble and meeting both zombies and humans. I really enjoyed the time with Father Gabe and Dr. Carson, but especially with Tara, Rosita, and even Dwight. I also still love Eugene. It made me laugh when he told Negan's wife she needed a helmet and eye protection. He has always been very awkward and dickish to people, and now he strikes me as feeling incredibly unhappy and trapped. He doesn't trust Negan's wives, and if they aren't bringing him either wine or food, 
He has no use for them. Hmm. Bring me wine. Or a palm frond to, you know, make him cool. Oh, that's right. He's going to lie there while they, while they uh, fan him with a big palm, palm leaf. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and feed him grapes. And feed him grapes. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think she makes a good point about him just feeling kind of trapped, and he's lashing out a little bit. And he can't lash out at Negan, because that'll get you face ironed. But he yeah. can lash out at his wives, because he feels that they are of less authority, I suppose. Yeah, that's probably dangerous, though, because Negan probably likes his wives and might be a little bit protective. I think he does. I don't think Eugene would do that in front of Negan, but Negan wasn't around at that moment. Right. Yeah. So good, good point about, uh, uh, Eugene just feeling kind of trapped and not knowing what to do. Right. Uh, okay. Next we have Andy in a very, uh, very cold at 6 a.m. UK. Mm-hmm. Hi guys. You mentioned Eugene being a complete dick to one of Negan's wives at the bullet making HQ, but didn't Eugene, uh, get slightly conned by his wives before? When at the sanctuary, they were nice to him just to get him to make a poison to kill Negan. Perhaps he's just a bit weary of being played again. Also a good point. That yeah, once bitten, twice shy. Exactly. He's not going to trust them for anything anymore. He, you know, he uh, he tried to help them. They came to him to be really nice, and they were using him for something. Right. Once bitten, twice being a dick. That's That also applies, yeah. That's a new statement, or a new, a new phrase I'd like to get out there. <laughs> once bitten, twice dick. <laughs> Once bitten, twice being a dick. All right, sorry. I just wanted, I was trying to economize <laughs> well, it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, okay, it's, you know, it's good. It's okay. good. Yeah, so, make things more uh, succinct. Succinct, right. All right, Chris in Syracuse, New York writes, I sent in a prediction before, and I think it will still happen. Eugene will get redemption by manufacturing blank bullets. The saviors will show up for a battle, armed and ready to light them up, boys. Then wonder why Rick and the gang aren't falling down. Okay. That could work, he's especially g- with Father Gabe there. He's going to make fake bullets, and uh, and they're just not going to work. But I I believe when this came up before, your point was, who just takes bullets without testing them or doing some shooting practice, target practice, you know? Yeah. No, I remember making that point, and I remember this, uh, this prediction coming up. Um, yeah, he'd have to make real bullets in order for the tests, but maybe he can, feels like he can control that situation, but the actual bullets he would make would be blank and hopefully nobody would use them against zombies. Mm-hmm. Because they wouldn't... would just use them in a fight against, uh, you know, Rick and the gang. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's a possibility. And and part of me actually can seize the show going there. Uh, but I do think it's a little far-fetched. There's too many holes. You can't get away with that kind of thing. It, it's, there's too many risks. There's too many unknowns uh, for that situation to actually work. So if the show does use this as a plot device, uh, I'm probably going to have to pick it apart. Oh yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. It's it's just it's it's the kind of thing that I I I know, um, or or you just know like in real life would never work, but feels like a movie thing. You know, oh yeah. someone made blank bullets and the tables were turned. So. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I don't really expect it to happen, but it feels kind of plausible. Yeah. I mean, movies and TV does this all the time. I mean, right? it, it feels plausible for a bad show. And, and, and yeah. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to say this is a bad show and, uh, I hope they don't go there because that will be an indicator that this has become a bad show. And I don't want that to happen. 
Yeah. Oh, oh my God, that guy just drove his car off a parking garage onto the 13th floor of an office building, drove through the entire office building, out the other side and onto another parking garage and got away. Right. Right? Uh, probably not plausible. No, probably not. But happens in Fast and Furious movies, I understand. Well, does it? I was just kind of making things up. I was more thinking of Batman than anything else. Oh, but you see, Batman is different. Batman is Batman. Uh, he I, drives on the roof of buildings and then rides off into this, like he jumps from a, a parking garage onto the roof of a, like a sloped roof of a building that has like clay tiles, mm-hmm. drives on it and then jumps off of that and and gets away. Well, you know, Batman can do some, some amazing things, but uh, I don't think it would work in The Walking Dead. I haven't seen the Fast and Furious movies. I may have seen the first one. I've always meant to go back and watch them all back to back to back to back to back. Uh, I've also meant to always watch Twilight just for, I don't even know why, but I haven't seen any Twilight movies. You must be a crazy person. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the Fast and Furious either, but I remember seeing in one of the trailers, uh, what's his name, drives some hot sports car out of a skyscraper and flies it through into the window of the other skyscraper. So that was, that was in the trailer. So that reminded me of what you were talking about. It's ridiculous and just kind of stupid, but Hey man, if you like that kind of thing, why not? Uh, but I don't think that works on the walking dead and fake, uh, it's, you know, steeped in realism. It is. It's steeped in realism, (laughs) right? Exactly. (laughs) Fake bullets. They just don't, they don't play. (laughs) Well, they got fake guns. So why not have fake bullets? Why not? Let's... Uh, all right. Where the heck are we? Was that, uh, that was Chris in Syracuse, right? Yep. All right. So next we have Kate in Chicago, Illinois. Would it have been such a bad idea to throw some rocks in the swamp to stir up the walkers before they entered uh, in order to kill as many as possible before getting in themselves? Good point. Why not like throw some rocks, some sticks, just like, uh, swish the water around a little bit instead of just walking in and hoping for the best. You played D and D, right? A little bit long time ago. Do you remember when you were buying equipment, uh, when you were shopping through the list of arms and armor and all that kind of stuff, you could buy a, you know, a day's worth of rations and right there on that list for like a silver piece, you could buy a 10 foot pole. Um, do you know why you could buy a 10 foot pole? So you could poke somebody 10 feet away. No. So you're walking down a hallway inside of a cave and you could poke for traps. Oh yeah. Like this is exactly the same thing. Go get a 10 foot pole. Like, why do things with, like, a two-foot pole? The two-foot pole, you're, you know, you're on top of the trap when it goes off. Ten-foot pole, you're, like, at least five or six feet away. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to go through a swamp. You need to cut yourself a nice ten-foot pole. Well, they didn't do that, and they didn't even seem to um, throw anything in the water first to stir stir any zombies out. Uh, yeah. We did see Daryl shoot one with an arrow. So maybe we're just supposed to imply, or we're supposed to... Uh, believe that they did do this and we just didn't really see it. Yeah. That um, that actually bugged me when he shot him with the with the crossbow bolt because my first thought was, oh, he's not getting that back. Because it's going to sink and sink and Yeah, can't... that's it. Shot him, now he's gone. You might as well have, uh, I don't know, not done anything and just gone around the swamp because <laughs> now you just lost a crossbow bolt. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think that was a little bit silly too, but I'm, you know, Cade makes a good point. Just Throw some rocks in, see if any pop their heads up at least before you just wade in yeah. there. They oh. did that with the big stop. Remember when they walked up to the uh, that building? Right. Uh, and then they banged on it to see if anything came out. Mm-hmm. I learned a very valuable lesson. I think I might have even mentioned on the podcast that I thought uh, some raccoons were living in my barbecue one winter. 
And uh, when I went to go take the barbecue cover off for the first time, I banged on the barbecue to see if what would scatter. Uh, and I did that specifically because of The Walking Dead and what they did to uh, to get the, the zombies' uh, attention. There you go, man. You can learn something new every day, even from a show like this. Yeah, and but they didn't learn. No, they, they did didn't not learn, learn from their own their own lesson. In fact, that was even Daryl who banged on that grocery it store. Was and here yeah, we absolutely. have Daryl. I guess he doesn't equate banging on a door with wading into a swamp. They're all get, they're getting lazy. They're like, uh, I've got bigger things things to think about. I'm going from point A to point B. I don't have time to think about all the points in between and and surviving all this bullshit. Yeah, I can survive. I'm Daryl. I'm That's one of the leads. Right. That's right. No one's <laughs> gonna come after me. Come on. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kate. Simon on the internet writes, listening to your episode recap discussing Negan's idea of using Walker body parts to try to infect enemies made me think the ideal implementation of this would be if he got Eugene to make bullets from Walker's teeth. People would be effectively getting shot and bit at the same time. Just a thought. LOL. <laughs> we could poke, you'd poke. You could dip the bullets in, in the blood. Well, yeah, that's, I think, basically what they're doing. Or I don't think what- you have to... Make them out of teeth. No, but that would be cool, shooting teeth at people. Yeah, it would be, but you'd need a blunderbuss or something. You couldn't do it out of a nine millimeter. No. Very few uh, teeth are nine millimeters, exactly. Right, yeah. Um, I guess so. Uh, Or strong enough to survive the actual explosive force of firing that thing out of a barrel. Yeah. Well, I think Simon Simon was just sort of uh, making making a little bit of fun, but... uh, Oh, sorry. That's okay. Yes. Put, put gore <laughs> on the bullets, which I believe is what they're going to be doing. Yeah. Or, you know, soak their uh, the sharpened sticks in gore and then poke people with that. That too. Yeah. If if the poking of the person doesn't kill them outright like it has in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tap someone with a, with a sharpened stick and down they go. Yep. Okay. All right. Next we have uh, Kate in Houston, Texas. Am I the only one who thinks that the music over Daryl speaking to Carol, Maggie, and Enid about Carl's death was a cop-out? Maggie and Carol have been with Carl since the beginning, and their reactions were like, meh, okay, while Enid showed the most emotion, and she's known him for the least or the less time, far less time. Instead of throwing in a few more seconds of the group reactions, they pan over to Henry, who I don't think even met Carl, and, and makes the scene all about him. It's just like the premiere when uh, they were bouncing back and forth between Carl's death scene and Henry killing Gavin, which takes away all the emotion from Carl. I know the group is used to losing people and are probably numb to their feelings, but this was the leader's firstborn child that died. Do you think the next episode will get a little interaction between the group about Carl? I think we might, because we know Rick is just about to show up at the hilltop, so I think it would make sense that they talk about it a little bit or they have some sort of ceremony or something, you know, a little funeral for him. Um, will we actually see that? I'm not sure, but I do think it would make sense. And I hope we do because it should be a big deal that he's dead and it should be a big deal between all these characters um, and not just a music montage. I'm not so sure. That it should be a big deal or that we'll see it? Uh, either one. I think that, uh, you know, in this world, People die. People die all the time. Like the amount of death that these people have seen on a regular basis is staggering. Uh, the amount of people they've killed, the amount of people they've had to kill, the amount of people, a lot of loved ones that have died. And uh, sure, to uh, to Rick, this is devastating because it's his son and I can't even imagine such a horror. Uh, 
to uh, Michonne, yes, because best friend kind of situation. To Enid, uh, her probably, uh, you know, if their relationship was uh, was blooming the way it looked like it was on the screen, uh, her entire future has just crumbled away and died. She thought she was, you know, working towards spending the rest of her life with Carl. So obviously she's going to be upset. But Maggie... Uh, you know, she lost Glenn. She's dealing with all this shit. It's like, man, that's that's really crappy. I got to deal with all these starving people. I, I get it. Uh, but Maggie's been on the show since season two. She's been around. She's known him for a long time. I think it would have a deep effect on her to have Carl uh, be killed, especially and her not having a chance to say goodbye or see him before it happened or anything like that. Uh, I think you underestimate human beings um tendency toward deep emotion. I think you overestimate their tendency towards deep, deep emotion and <laughs> underestimate their selfishness about how does this affect me? Ah, even if it is about how it affects her, I think that a normal person or a normal group of people, Rick would show up and they'd say, oh my God, I can't believe what you have just gone through. Let's talk about it if you want to, or let's celebrate Carl a little bit by having some sort of ceremony or service. And that's all I'm saying. That's what we need to see. We don't need to see just um, a bunch of characters kind of hugging each other, looking sad while sad music plays. Yeah. I agree with everything you said, except for the use of the word normal. This is not a normal situation. These are not normal people. Uh, that, okay. That's all I'm saying is that uh, they're all in shock and they're all completely overwhelmed with the horror that the world is at the moment. One more death is going to be impactful, but not the end of the world. I don't think they're still in shock. They've been in, they've been in this situation for a long time, and yes, it's a different situation than you and I live in, and they lived in before the zombie apocalypse. But human beings also have an uncanny ability to. Um, adapt to things and and continue with tradition at all odds, I think. So, sure, maybe in the first few months of this, they might get it all wrong and they wouldn't, um, you know, they, they wouldn't know what to do when somebody dies, uh, especially if it was in a violent way or something like that. But that would happen in real life, too, you know? Like, if, if my neighbor suddenly got murdered, I'd be freaking out and I wouldn't know yeah. what to do. But then they've been living with this for three years now or whatever it's been. So I think some of the the norms would start to come back. And I think we're what at that point. What if all your neighbors got murdered? Like over the next three years, every single one of your neighbors got murdered, except for one. And then three years down the line, uh, they got murdered. Like two weeks after the uh, the previous one got murdered. You'd be like, shit, somebody else got murdered? Well, I, maybe I should leave the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'm getting out of this neighborhood. This is a terrible place to live. Yeah, it just I think it the uh, it stacks up. Like the 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 normalcy of this group of people is that f- people die. People they care about die. Right. I don't yeah. think I don't think they're all going to break down and uh, you know, act like it's the end of the world. Well, I think they are. I think that people die. They're dying all the time. And we're human beings. And it, it's in our nature to be upset by that. And I don't think your nature changes just because people die all the time. I don't know. Like, I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, that kind of thing gets muted after a while. You're cold, man. I, I'm not saying me. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying people. 
These okay. people. All right. Well, I want to see some a short scene of them grieving in some way uh, together. Oh yeah, I have a, have a ceremony like get together. That's you know, what I'm saying. Wear, wear a black band on your arm and go. Yep, that sucks. All right, let's go make some turnips because these people are dying. Let's go kill some more people and try to live a peaceful life. Yeah, you could grow some more turnips and kill some more people, and eventually it'll all even out. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, Melissa in Maryland writes, holy crap, am I sick of Tara? Let's be real. She and Denise knew each other for maybe two months. Pretty sure Denise had been has been dead longer than they were even together at this point. Tara seems like one of those girls who attaches way too quickly. Remember how fast she started swooning over the girl in the RV camp with the governor? Because let's not forget, Miss Teenage Nanks was not only, not only was team governor, she and her sister saved his life, lived with him in the apartment and then the camp, and went into battle with him, fully intending to kill everyone at the prison. She watched as Herschel was murdered, and every single death from that day at the prison is at least partially on her. Now, to top it all off, she and Daryl went on that little crusade to the sanctuary, ruined all of Rick's plans, and put more lives at risk. This has all been conveniently forgotten as she looks to crucify Dwight, who we know was initially initially behaving as he was in an effort to save his indentured sex-servant wife, or at least be able to stay near her. Maggie, Glenn, and the others all forgave Tara for being part of the group that killed Maggie's father, yet she somehow stubbornly believes it's impossible for Dwight to change, even though he spent the entire last season proving that he's on their side. It's ridiculous and makes me so angry. I know that at the end of this episode she may have had a wake-up call, but unless something drastic happens to her character, I'm ready for her to be victim number one when the gore arrows start to fly. Maybe she's unhinged. She might be a little unhinged, but um, what do you think? Like, they were willing to forgive her for cohorting cohorting with the governor and attacking them. Cavorting? 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 Cohorting, like being part of a cohort in an active verb tense? They were able to forgive her for hanging around with the governor. (laughs) No, I like cohorting. It's good. All right. And attacking them and trying to kill them and so on. Um, But she is unwilling to forgive Dwight. So let me ask you this, Jason. Is what Dwight has done or is now doing any different, better or worse than what Tara did originally to our group? (sighs) People are asses, right? And they (laughs) do things that are assy and then they expect to be treated like kings and queens. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody thinks they're the bad guy ever. They always think someone else is the bad guy, regardless of what they've done or what they're doing or anything. Uh, so is it, is, is uh, Dwight better or worse than Tara? I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a shitty situation. And right now Tara feels like, uh, or Tara, in this episode, Tara felt like she wanted to kill him because of her current angst and she felt justified and righteous in doing so whether in the grand scheme of things, that's true. Probably not. Well, my first thought was that Tara didn't really, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Tara didn't really know that the governor was evil. He wasn't, she didn't really know he was bad. And when she found out 
that's when she decided to leave him and move on and say, I'm not going to go with you. You're a bad person. Dwight, on the other hand, I think always knew Negan was bad or at least, you know, doing bad things. And he went with it for a while anyways. But that's because his wife yeah. was... Sorry, uh, hostage. Melissa makes uh, a good point here that he was doing it because his wife was a hostage, more or less, and he was trying to save her, or as she says, at least be close to her. So he was doing it under duress. So that, in a way, excuses him a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look at the Greyjoys. You know, they had uh, Theon Greyjoy was with the Starks in order to uh, have uh, the rebelling Greyjoys uh, in the uh, the Iron Islands be under the, under control. Uh, so that's, that's the whole, that's the whole reason you take a hostage, uh, like that in order to, uh, in, in order to get somebody to do what you want and not, uh, be a complete asshole. Mm-hmm. So that's what was happening with, uh, with Dwight, his wife, whether it was intended to be a hostage or not, she was a hostage and, uh, he was forced to comply because she was, uh, basically Theon Greyjoy. Okay, so Dwight was forced into do it to save someone he loves. Tara was doing it because she wasn't aware. And as soon as, in both their cases, as soon as the situation changed, uh, they sort of defected from that bad person. So in a way, their stories are kind of mirrors of each other. They're just, their motivations were a little bit different. Right. And now they're going to be besties, so it'll be fine. And now they're going to be best friends. And you're right, hopefully it'll be fine. They'll braid uh, each other's hair. They all have they have long hair. It'll be fun. <laughs> That's why not. They'll be uh, they'll be good buddies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I just think it's interesting that uh, just an interesting thing to think about that Melissa brings up that uh, Tara couldn't forgive Dwight, um, but everyone forgave her for something similar. Uh, yeah. Uh, essentially, it boils down to people are so frustrating and uh, inconsistent, and uh, yeah. In con- People are, are two-faced and backbiting and frustrating as hell. Man, people are the worst. People are the worst. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. But uh, I am glad that it seems like Tara has come around. And uh, I don't know if I'm ready for her to be victim number one when the gore arrows start to fly. But uh, you never know. She might be. Maybe the second victim. Maybe Third, victim number two. If she gets one in the eye, that'd be horrifying and awesome all rolled into one it would be a little bit poetic justice sort of not really because she didn't not really she didn't put the arrow through dr denise's eye but uh if dwight gets one through the eye that would maybe be the poetic justice well maybe if tara got one through the eye it'd be cathartic she'd be like wow this is how my love denise died mm-hmm. and, and i'm okay with this maybe we'll uh not go to heaven together because we're not zombies no that's right okay all right, so we have an email from Chris in the UK regarding the filler and the format of the show. This comes up every year, and there's a reason for that. I have a lot of sympathy for the writers on this one. Their storylines require a certain amount of setup of moving pieces into position. Leave those moments out, and what have you got? A Michael Bay zombie movie, a meaningless string of set pieces. We complain when they don't take the uh, take the time to show us they're working, and we complain when they do. It's built into the format of the show that some episodes will be awesome and some will be less so. We just have to trust that they're, uh, that the latter group are doing their heavy lifting uh, that gets us back into the awesome. They don't always achieve that, 
but they do it often enough to keep us watching. And yes, sometimes there are filler episodes. Uh, I could have lived without the Rick and the Michonne bad CGI road trip last season, and rewatching season four, we could lose two of the three road determinus episodes. We are complaining about their filler. Uh, we compl- uh, we were complaining about their filler in the first half of season two, something uh, we now tend to forget because of the mid-season finale and the back nine of that year were really good. For me, there was enough in this uh, one episode to be spared the criticism. Dwight's reluctant to return to the sur- sur- uh, to the saviors. Excuse me, uh, the uh, the breaking of Gabe, estag- establishing that the hilltop is low on food. Negan poisoned weapons. Uh, epip- his Negan's poisoned weapons epiphany, and making sure everyone knew about Carl, all feel like meaningful pieces of the overall story. I think it's perfectly fair to say you were underwhelmed by this week's episode, but I really believe that you don't get the last two without having the episodes like this one to get us there. Yep, fair enough. And I do fully agree with what Chris is saying, which uh, I've, you know, I've tried to just take that to heart a little bit in that you can't get to the big, exciting, important bits without episodes like this. Um, That being said, this episode was, it ran in an extra eight minute time slot. I do not think this needed to be an extended episode for any in any universe. Um, but, but he's right. I mean, there was a little bit more here than I think I gave it credit for. And that's why I am very, very hesitant anymore ever to use the word filler, because again, we just don't know what these things are leading up to where they're going. And something that doesn't seem important now might be really important for something later on in the show. And I can completely understand that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Jason, still, on the other hand, didn't like it at all. <laughs> see, the problem I have is when I think of other shows, right? When I t- think about the shows that I thought were absolutely amazing from beginning to end, I think about Breaking Bad. I think about uh, Better Call Saul, even. I think about Lost. I think about The Sopranos. And uh, I don't recall them having uh, filler episodes. Lost had some filler episodes. I'll grant you that. Nikki and Paolo, for example, uh, was hard to take that episode. It seemed like, what was the point of that altogether? But that's just one episode in a whole bunch of seasons. But uh, when I think about Breaking Bad, I can't think of any filler episodes. I, it's there a was, good point. There was, there was excitement that uh, and very compelling stuff going on in the episodes where, where there wasn't a lot of excitement, but there were episodes where there was a lot of excitement. Um so, and also, sorry, with Breaking Bad, they found ways to make episodes different and interesting. Uh, for example, there's one where the entire thing takes place in the cook lab, and it's yeah. mostly uh, Walter White by himself in there. And you the would fly. think, yeah, you would think that is an episode that people would jump all over and say, what the hell is this? Why didn't we move the plot along at all here? Yet they didn't because it was done really well. But they did move the plot along, and and fair enough. They there did was move a the there plot. was a scene between Walt and Jesse right at the end where it was nail biting. I'm not going to spoil anything about what happened in that uh, when that discussion. Uh-huh. But that thing, Walter was just broken down and tired and exhausted and not thinking straight, and he said something to Jesse that was just came so close to just like 
Jesse would have just killed him on the spot. Sure. And and also that's more of a bottle episode than anything else, right? Which we know yeah. is something different. So you're right, though. You make a good point. There are shows that you think back on and think there was I can't think of one episode in two, three, four, five seasons that you would call filler. Right. And these are all shows. Every show that I just named, I've gone back and rewatched at least twice. Right. Every single one of them. And, and, and I mean, I guess you could argue that different kinds of stories, different kinds of storytelling, there's all kinds of variables that go into it. Um, and, and it's hard to compare one thing to another, but I, I do think Chris in the UK brings up, you know, good valid points in that we, we don't have the whole story here. And especially about this episode when he lists off Dwight you know, Gabe's uh, revelation a little bit, the hilltop is low on food, Negan's poisoned weapon theory, and making people know about Carl. Like, all that stuff did indeed happen in this episode, and this is all potentially important information. So it's not useless, and there's something here, and we should take it for what it is and judge the thing as a whole when we see sort of the, the final outcome. And I definitely, definitely don't want Michael Bay directing... Uh, a Walking Dead episode. Let's not have that. Let's not have that, everybody. We get like American flags flying and uh, uh, lampposts everywhere and the spinning hero shot. And I just don't think we need that. <laughs> I don't think we need that. Anyways, thank you, Chris, for sending that in. We're going to finish here with a call from Emma. And this is back about the mid-season premiere. Um, so here we go. Hey, Chris and Jason. This is Emma from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I have a really quick thought for you guys on um, the first episode back from the mid-season, so I know I'm a little bit late, but it's based off of what Lee said last week. So I was kind of in the same boat. I didn't think that that scene was looking into the future. I kind of thought that it was linked to that episode and somewhere after Carl's death. Um, But how I read it was that it was basically alluding to when Carl actually got bit. So if you look back at when Carl got bit, he was slumped against a tree and he had his wound or his bite mark on the right side of his body. Um, And then if you look at that scene with Rick, it's the same thing. So he's also slumped against the tree. He also has um, some blood on that side of the body. I don't think it's necessarily a wound. I agree with Lee that it maybe was just from carrying Carl, but I think they were just trying to connect uh, those two moments together and and bring it in artistically <laughs> there. So um, those are my thoughts on that. But we'll see. Maybe maybe it is a bite or something. Um, but we'll have to find out. Thank you so much for everything you do. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thanks, Emma. So yeah, it's it, you know I think she's just sort of saying that it's a bit of a um, story bookends almost. You know, Carl was bit in in that location that's where he was bleeding from that's where he was suffering from we saw rick in a similar situation doesn't mean rick is bit doesn't mean it's way in the future doesn't mean he's dying and as the um listener from last week said maybe that was right after right after they buried him and rick is just sitting there sort of uh coming to terms with what he's just had to do yeah i hope it's not uh (laughs) I hope he's shot at least. You hope you, you, you want there to be more to it. And I can see that. I, I, yeah. part of me really does as well. If we find out that that is, is in fact, you know, just after, just after Carl has died and, and Michonne is like just off screen and then they get up and they drive off to the scavengers junkyard, that might feel a little underwhelming. Um, but at the same time, 
the whole thing has been blown up so much that no matter what they do at this point might feel a little underwhelming. That's what I was just about to say. Best case scenario, it never comes up again. Ooh, I don't know if that's the best case scenario. <laughs> that's that's one case scenario. Well, I think it's uh it's uh you know, there's uh it's it's the unanswer, right? There's uh you ask a question, you either get yes or no, but there's always the option to not answer the question and it becomes neither yes nor no. It becomes whatever you want it to be and uh yeah. that's that's valid, I suppose, but I'm going to be a little disappointed if we don't at least get something there. Yeah. So as a salesman, when you're make, trying to make a sale to someone, uh, one of the best things they can say is yes. The second best thing they can say is no, because then you can pick away at no. Well, why not? And then you, and then you give them the reasons and stuff. One of the worst things you can, you can answers you can get as a salesman is, you know, let me think about it. Because <laughs> there's nothing they can do. There's nothing they can, well, there is, I mean, they can still prod and stuff, but at that point you either hang up the phone or slam the door in their face or, you know, hit them with a sign or whatever you have available <laughs> at the time. Yeah. I don't know why you have a sign. Sometimes you have a sign and you can hit salesmen. I don't know. You know, don't hit people that come to your door unless they're, they deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see, you know, just sometimes you're walking down the street with a sign and a salesman tries to sell you bread and you just don't want bread. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to well, shut up about the bread. Okay. I'd, prob- I, I pro- I'd probably buy the bread. I yeah, like bread. <laughs> Bread's good. Or if it was cheese, I'd, I would I would have said yes. All right. Hey, sure. you want to buy some cheese? Yes, I would like to buy some cheese <laughs> <laughs> from you on the street here, Mr. Mr. Mystery <laughs> Cheese Man. So I think that, that if they don't bring this up again, it would be annoying, but I think that would be less annoying than anything else they could do. Well, it might be less annoying, but I think it would be the second best option. Well, the best option would be make it amazing, give us something that's really cool, and explain it in a really awesome way. Yeah, he gets shot and survives. That's actually okay. That's a survivable wound. Sure, you might get sepsis, but they got uh, they got Sadiq at the hilltop now, who's a uh, a doctor expert. That's right. He's not a doctor, but he's a medical expert. Let's he is say. a doctor. He's a resident. A resident is a doctor. It is a doctor. You're right. You're absolutely right. So don't. Can I call him a scientist? I guess. You a might, medical scientist? He might be a scientist as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but don't not call him a doctor because he's a doctor. Um, anyways. A, well, what's the difference between, a, you know, if you're doing a residency and when you're done your residency? Well, I don't know Does that, that make exactly. make you more of a doctor? I don't think it makes you more of a doctor. I think, is residency just the... Um, the early stages of being a practicing doctor? I think it's doctor beta testing. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> it's equivalent to beta testing. It's not alpha testing. Alpha testing would be getting out of medical school. Uh, but yeah, I think it's beta testing. It's just, it's just basically you're doing some stuff, but they're being overseen by uh, m- m- more doctors. Here, like, not more doctors, but more doctor. I don't want to get this wrong. So resident as defined by... Google, a medical graduate engaged in specialized practice under supervision in a hospital. Right. So they are- There's no doctor in that sentence. A medical graduate, that implies doctor. They have finished school, they have graduated, and they are practicing uh, under supervision in a hospital in a specialized way. That's a doctor. In effect, yes, but the doctor's not in that sentence. That's the only thing I'm saying. 
I don't know what what point Fine. you become a doctor, a medical doctor. I don't. Is it after your residency or is it before? It is before. It is when you graduate medical school. You are a doctor of medicine. You sure? I'm, uh-huh. I'm okay. We we can take this offline. I'm a hundred percent sure. Okay, good. It's like usually when I'm a hundred percent sure, I'm wrong. Well, that, like that's like saying when you. I'm just questioning it now. I'm are, not saying that it's true. I'm not saying it's false. I'm asking, are you sure? Well. I'm, if you're sure, I can I can live with it. I guess I'm going to say I'm sure. Excellent. When you when you graduate law school, are you a lawyer? I think no, so. <laughs> you're you have not. to pass the bar. <laughs> when you pass the bar, are you a lawyer? Yes, but that's a that's an exam you have to take. Just going to uh, what did you say? Lawyer school? Law school? It's called law school. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you've graduated law school does not make you a lawyer. Okay, what I'm saying is there is a point at which you complete something and you become a lawyer. There is a point at which you complete something and you become a doctor. I am yep. 99.9% sure that is medical school. Okay. I'm, I think it happens after residency. But I'm going to look that up, and I'm sure people are going to write in. No, it's definitely before residency. Okay, when... Uh, okay, fine. Anyways. Excellent. Thank I, you. I'm I, not even going to look it up. I'm just going to trust you. Yeah, there, there was... Uh, we don't need to get into it, but there was a long conversation in... Uh, Jason and Karen's private Facebook group, which I'm a member of, about what is a doctor, because oh, yeah? they didn't want people to get it wrong, and um, they defined it in no, no no uncertain terms that a resident is a doctor. Well, as long as Jason and Karen have well, not them. It was somebody else in the group. Who, Whatever. Yeah, Pro- we'll have to describe to me what a private Facebook group is. I know. I'll but, I'll have to start with what Facebook is. I'll yeah. Facebook video. is a <laughs> collection of. Faces? Yes. Um, and then, <laughs> Some kind then of book the, form? the conversation moved on to whether veterinarians are doctors. And I asked whether veterinarians have to study human anatomy at any point, And the answer is no, they do not. They have to uh, study dog anatomy. And other species, yes. Birds, Anyways, cows, um, let's, let's finish up chickens. here. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Did you know that uh, a giraffe has the same number of neck bones as a mouse? They're just really spread out? They're just really spread out. That's cool, man. Very interesting. Okay. On that note, we're going to wrap things up here. So before we finish, uh, next episode of The Walking Dead airing on Sunday night is called The Key. And we will, of course, be podcasting about that on Monday and recapping it. So if you'd like to get a title read in, record yourself saying The Key and uh, fire it over to us. Send your email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com and I will play as many of those as possible. Uh, everybody came through with title reads this week on uh, the weirdo title of this episode. The key isn't quite as exciting, but um, as a title anyways, but if you'd like to read that, do so and send it in. Otherwise, of course, you can send all your comments and questions and feedback to that email address, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Find all of the episodes of this show on the website, and that's also where you can use the send voicemail link at the top to record a message and send it, and it will automatically get emailed to us. That site is talkingdeadpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. And one more quick thing. Christina and I guested on another Walking Dead podcast this week called the fear me podcast and uh, that was really really fun so when their next episode comes out if you just can't get enough of me and uh you want to and, and or or you don't listen to them check them out that's the fear me podcast it was their episode number 100 so it was a nice. big deal yeah so 
there are some people we know from Atlanta who go to Atlanta Walker Stalker Con, and uh, we've hung out with them a bunch of times down there. So good times. Um, that's it. Anything else, Jason? Nope. I'm looking up doctor in Canada. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe the rules are different here. You're no, thinking. they're not. It's in Wikipedia. It's grouped United States and Canada. So it's the same rules. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, uh, we will be back on Monday to recap the key until then. Thanks for tuning in everyone. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.